Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. This is Cargo Masterminds from Stat Media Group. It's Monday and it's time to catch up with our new Cargo Mastermind. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds. My name is Reggie John. Chris Leach founded Air Charter Service or ACS in 1990 along with his wife Tina in the basement of their UK family home in Kingston, southwest of London. 30 years later, ACS today is a global leader in passenger and cargo charters. ACS now has a network of offices across the Americas, Europe, Africa, Asia and the Middle East. ACS is a reliable cargo charter partner to hundreds of customers worldwide. My guest today is Dan Morgan Evans, Global Director of Cargo at Air Charter Service. Dan has been with Air Charter Service for close to 20 years. He joined ACS in 2002 as Cargo Account Manager. Dan went on to become the Head of Cargo Business at ACS in 2016 as the Global Director. Dan joins me in this episode of Cargo Masterminds to discuss the business of cargo chartering in the age of a pandemic that brought passenger aviation to a halt for a very long time, resulting in severe restrictions in access to cargo capacities in the bellies of long-haul wide-body passenger flights. Dan, welcome to Cargo Masterminds. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you for having me. Dan, last 20 months, uh, were they the busiest period uh, for the cargo division of air charter service in its history? You could say that. Yeah, definitely. It's been incredible. It's been yeah the busiest period by far. Um, you know, no, no time to stop or breathe, really. No time to cut my hair. Something unprecedented, something that will never happen again, I don't think. Then can you give us a sense of uh, the scale and complexities of cargo charter operation that you did in the last uh, 20 months, uh, particularly from the point of getting access, sourcing uh, of freighters? I mean, complexity-wise, it's obviously, oh, kind of, we know that the history of the pandemic, um, you know, March last year, really, well, actually earlier than that for us, I think, really, um, you know, when the coronavirus hit in, in even starting in China, our first flights really for the pandemic were conversely, flights into China to sending PPE. Um, and I think that at that point, we picked up a few bits of business coming out of uh, South Africa, flying PPE into, into China. And then obviously, I mean, those in the know maybe have already realized that something terrible was about to happen. But I think the general population kind of just saw it as a sort of background story, picking up a couple of flights for us going into China, as I said. And then as we moved through February and then into March, then obviously March, yeah, March is when it all kind of kicked off towards the end of March and then April, May, June, and it just it just continued through there. And those those first few months, not only were we contending with huge, huge demand for, for PPE for customers all around the world, every country pretty much was was you know needed PPE. And you know, the hub the hub of the world really for that sort of stuff was China. You know, we obviously we had this huge demand, but coupled with that was traditionally 100 percent kind of office-based working around our 28 offices around the world. Suddenly we were all working at home. Uh, and uh, you know, our IT team had to quickly put in place um the ability for every one of our consultants around the globe to be able to work seamlessly from their bedrooms, from their laps, from their ironing boards, their kitchen sides, whatever it was they were able to do, you know, sending laptops out to every single one of our brokers. Um, so it, you know, with this huge demand was this kind of massive kind of 
internal infrastructure we had to build in order to, to cope with it. In terms of complexities, I mean, I think that ACS were probably highly fortunate in the fact that it's almost like, I think I've said this before, it was almost like Chris Leach had, had been planning this. And you mentioned the start in 1990. I remember in 2002 when I joined ACS um, in our first ever conference, he put a slide up uh, on the wall. Um, and bearing in mind, we had London and Moscow at the time and a little operations in uh, Ostend that we had. Um, and he put up these offices that he was going to have all around the world in the next 10, 15 years. And I'd only been at the company for about two, three months. And I kind of went, oh, OK, yeah, whatever. Typ typical kind of entrepreneur dreaming type scenario. And then, you know, here we are 2021 or at the beginning of 2020 with this huge network. Uh, but most importantly for us was our was our network that we had in China, you know, our Beijing office and our Shanghai office and our and our Hong Kong office as well. It just meant that we had this infrastructure that allowed us to cope with the complexity of the nature of the, what we were doing in terms of the demand that was coming out of the airports in China, out of the factories in China. And obviously, you know, many of our customers were not based there. You know, they're all based in Europe. They're all based in the US, in South America, in Africa, um, in Australia. So we ended up, you know, the, the customers that we were dealing with in our offices outside of China were, were working hand in hand with our Chinese offices to to get this um, mad rush of PPE delivered to um, to all around the world, basically. And, and uh, you'll probably ask me later, but I'm not going to be able to answer you in, in terms of how much we did and what we did. Uh, or, you know, the, the figures, we kind of stopped counting at one point. I know, I think that back in May last year or June last year, I think um, we had delivered PPE to something like 65 different countries around the world. Um, and, and that number did grow. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was a a huge operation involving every single one of our brokers. Um, and also coupled with that, I mean, I think you'll probably talk about this later, but the kind of um, the utility freighters, the praters, whatever anyone wants to call them, you know, we, we are obviously not just cargo, we have commercial jets and we have private jets among other divisions within ACS. But it was that we also managed to be able to lean on our other divisions, you know, on the commercial debt department, our ACMI team, in order to find uh, capacity that maybe wasn't in our um, repertoire in, in, our, in our armory as a, as a cargo charter broker because you know we deal with with cargo airlines um, so it was a huge benefit to have this this other big division that we have around the world and the ACMI team plus our Chinese offices so although it was complex and on a very large scale I think the team did a great job I think it's uh, a real plus point of what, what we do and how we've been doing and what we've been building up to all this year so it, it was difficult. It was tiring. It was 24-7, but it worked and it worked well, I think. Then uh, how significant volume of cargo-only passenger charter flights or what we call right now is the freighters uh, in your overall volume of uh, charter operations? Yeah, I, it was significant. Yeah, it's, you know, I think that uh, I can't remember quite when it was, but it was, you know, probably a few weeks into the operation when suddenly the the, the cargo aircraft were becoming more scarce and we suddenly realized that this is going to be this is going to be a big big deal so we started you know scouring the markets and you know getting these aircraft to fly cargo only but you know it's it's part of day-to-day -day business it's still to be to be honest it's still uh, you know we charter a lot of freighters at the moment so in terms of the balance what it is i, I don't know but it's but it's significant it's a, it's, a, it's a big part of what we're doing you know freighter availability is scarce at the moment so um you know these utility freighters or freighters 
um, do have a huge role to play still. Then let's come to the your declared numbers for the year January 31st, 2021. The gross sales for ACS uh, increased by 86% to £887 million pounds, uh, in comparison to the previous year. Could you specify the cargo charter growth rate and uh, sales revenue? I don't know. We don't, we don't particularly like to sort of split that out on what it is. But obviously, the, the cargo growth was just significant amongst that. You know, I think you said at the beginning on, in the introduction about the, the kind of the passenger world coming to a standstill. It did, obviously obviously in the middle of last year but right at the very beginning of the pandemic you know we we saw a boom in our passenger business as well so it wasn't like it just suddenly died a death during last year you know our private jets market was up massively as people were kind of scarpering around the world trying to get home doing stuff like that so we we saw a real spike right at the beginning of the pandemic and again with our commercial jets team you know we we did a lot of repatriations so there was a really busy part of the year um for them right at the very beginning of all this so although obviously once everyone was in lockdown everyone would be repatriated you know the, the passenger market uh as you said you know kind of cargo was a significant part of it but again as the world started to wake up um you know things uh things really started to to build up again for for certainly for the private jets division you know that was once you know um, borders started to open a little bit um, and people were going on holidays again um, and business travel started to happen a little, little bit so we had a we had a real spike in in our private jets so although cargo was a, a significant increase clearly by the numbers you can see and by what was going on um, it's not to say that our that our passenger side of the business wasn't doing you know above what was expected of, of that um, side of the business so that was really pleasing to us as well so so all around it was a it was a solid year and as you say it's up to january the 31st 2021 because we have a, an odd financial year starting february the 1st which is why that is but um it was significant for cargo but it wasn't it wasn't a bad time for our passenger departments as well we are still in the peak season for air freight and uh with supply demand mismatch uh not likely to end soon how you would uh, expect to close the year ending January 31st, 2022? Not a million miles away from 2021. This quarter, this final part has been has been busier than last year. So, you know, I think that, uh, you know, last year, obviously there's still a large part of our business is to do with COVID. You know, we're still doing a lot of test kits flying around the world. Last year, last this time last year, obviously there was this, capacity crunch still going on while well, happening at the same time we're having covid stuff going on but the world was you know we can't start to see a few more lockdowns again last winter you know here in the uk we were going into a lockdown for in december so i it wasn't quite the sort of full-on that it is this year you've got both you know the the farmer kind of the the covid side of the business still very very high but coupled with that you've got this huge kind of normal commercial cargo flying around the world with the capacity constraints you know we're flying everything from you know fashion retail to just general retail we flew you know christmas trees in in charters the other day you know we've i've seen inquiries this morning for metal boxes for tins to store things in i mean it's just everything you know the the kind of cargoes that we're moving this peak season literally can be anything at the moment. It's it's not traditional kind of peak season, you know, maybe consumer electronics or 
um, you know, consolidated cargo that's just buying up capacity to try and move it. It's it's literally anybody can come in with an inquiry at the moment. So it, it's crazy. It's it's crazy busy right now. And finding capacity is tough. But like I said, we've got a we've got a large network, um, both for, for passenger and cargo planes, um, which is which means that we can pretty much find a solution at some point or another. I think that you know the biggest the biggest problem really or one of the biggest problems at the moment is not is not really the capacity it's the capacity or the air, air capacity it's the capacity of the airports it's uh, little local lockdowns happening you know covid restrictions whether it's in certain provinces in china um, you know, the crew rest not being able to happen or there's so much in terms of what's sort of driving this this difficult period or peak period, very good period, but also very difficult operational period. Um, you know, and that can be warehouses, that can be people working in the warehouses, that can be, um, you know, COVID restrictions, whatever it is, it's it's it, it's tough. So it's not just the capacity that makes it difficult right now. It's it's the capacity all around in terms of, you know, what the airports can cope with. Let's talk about uh, also the elevated freight rates, and it's been there for the last uh, almost two years, and it continues to be. Uh, do you expect cargo charter prices to remain unusually high for the coming few months uh, or few quarters, uh, particularly on Trans-Pacific routes? Uh, and when do you expect it to be more rationalized and stable? I mean, we're forecasting next year to be pretty pretty strong still. Uh, obviously, you know, once we get over the sort of hump of Christmas and we get the other side of it, you know, I'm sure the rates will come down a little bit. But normalizing, I, my guess is that's not going to happen straight away. We're gonna we're gonna still see you know strong demand high prices and then again i think it will ramp up again towards the end of next year same as it has not maybe not quite so high maybe not quite so difficult you know there'll be more capacity coming into the market i guess the, you know the pressure will be taken off as we assume that uh, some of the the passenger routes will will you know start to increase in frequency so therefore the belly freight will come back into the market a little bit but but it's not going to happen overnight um, and we kind of know that um, because China is obviously such a big part of all of this, um, you know, they're much more um, cautious and restrictive on, on travel. So um, that's going to, uh, until that resol resolves itself completely, I think we're going to continue in this um, sort of heyday or purple patch or whatever you want to call it for cargo. I think it's going to continue for a little while. So certainly we, we don't expect it to drop off, you know, back to pre-pandemic levels next year. After that, I, I, if I <laughs> if I could tell you that, I would be uh, <laughs> I'd be a millionaire. I don't know. It would it would be crystal ball stuff at that point. I think you know we every, everyone has their own ideas. I think it will settle down again. You know, 2023 probably will be back to some some sort of normality. Early on in the pandemic and. Practically most of 2020 and early 2021, the main priority cargo commodity on cargo charters was PPE, but ACS has um, cargo charter solutions for key verticals like oil and gas, automotive, aerospace, animal transport, and onboard courier. Are those businesses back to pre-COVID levels? Uh, how, do you, how do you look at them and how do you evaluate them? Some are back to pre-COVID levels, some aren't. Uh, it just depends what it is. Obviously, we you know we we work in a lot of aerospace and AOGs and stuff like that. That that's not you know if I'm honest, that's not back to pre-COVID levels. It's bound not to be. You know, there's not as many aeroplanes flying around the world with passengers on board, so um, that's not back. I, I guess that some of the other the, the more commercial cargoes, you know, we can see that you know we get a lot more requests for project stuff coming up. 
you know, the, the automotive industry, although there's obviously a major shortage of um, semiconductors around the world, which is, you know, causing a, an issue with car production and not just cars. I mean, uh, sort of any consumer electronic production. That's, um, although it's very busy, it's, you know, our domestic US, for example, is big automotive sector and Europe is a big automotive sector. That That's, it's doing well. It's, it's still busy, but I expect next year i'm predicting the next year will be busier for us i think that will be where, where that sort of market comes back strong obviously oil and gas prices <laughs> the oil and gas prices are very high at the moment so you know traditionally you know that would result in some charters so that business is is, is steady i would say i wouldn't say it was booming but it, it's steady and i'd expect that probably to continue to to growth into with growth into next year but yeah generally I guess the the kind of things that we're being asked for would indicate that um, people are trying to get moving again, industries are back working again, and, you know, it will come back to normal pre-pandemic levels quite quickly during next year. I think that will be part of why next year will will be good, you know, we'll be in a situation where we will have back, you know, all that business will be back, you know, how it was previously, plus plus some extra business, I think. Then uh, strong demand, uh, very restricted capacity and elevated price that going to be remain for, from my discussion with you in the last few minutes is going to continue at least till the end of next year. Uh, how have you been able to align your customers to the new reality and market conditions? Because you work regularly with some of your uh, regular customers. I mean, it's it's so well publicized what's going on in the world. You know, it, it, you don't have to be in the air freight industry to know the supply chain issues. You know, it's in every newspaper in every country in every world. You know, there's, you know, shortage of truck drivers, you know, shortage of capacity, port problems, you know, ships off the coast of uh, West, uh, Western America. So it, it's not, I don't feel like it's something that's a, a shock to people. And bearing in mind that, you know, most of our customers are freight forwarders, you know, they're in the industry, they know what's going on. It's not a shock to most people, I would say. I mean, it's a shock because things are so, so expensive and prices are so high, but it's not like we're, um, breaking the news to them put it that way but do you expect to see a model shift from ocean to air i've asked this like this that if i compare this to the private jet world and don't quote me on the figures because i like i said i'm not in the private jet world but i believe the figure is something like 20 percent of people that can afford to to go by private jet actually do did pre-pandemic but post-pandemic post-pandemic the other 80 percent of those people that can actually afford private charters um have started to to buy private charters. So we've had a huge growth in the number of customers in our private jet sector. Now, the same has kind of happened in cargo charters. You know, people that wouldn't normally charter a plane are chartering a plane. Now, we're assuming in the private jet world, it won't go, those 80% that weren't chartering before are suddenly going to stop chartering. Some of it will stick. In the cargo world, I think the same thing will happen. It will stick with some of those customers. You know, it's kind of, you'll get, they've understood the benefits of charters, although they're paying a high price for them right now, but there is a benefit in terms of kind of the just-in-time stuff, the, the on-demand, um, the fact that you're controlling your own capacity, you can take it from point A to point B, you're not relying on connections, so you're not relying on any kind of point-to-point, you know, the point-to-point point of this is that you, you we, the customers get what they ask for now, rather than relying on trying to get around the houses. So I, I think that 
some of it will stick. I'm hoping some of it will stick. And I think that uh, what's happened over the, certainly over the last few months is that, you know, we've opened the, or the, this opportunity has opened their um, eyes to, to other ways of doing their business, you know, other ways of um, using the supply chain. So yeah, I think that we will gain some new customers because of what's been happening. Part of my earlier question was also about, uh, have you seen a sudden spike in the demand for charters, particularly because of the port congestion and the, the non-available of containers and uh, exporters, importers wanting to get their products into the market uh, right at the time? There's definitely been a spike. You know, I think that those people that don't transport stuff constantly all the time and are not massively aware of, of the restrictions or the, you know, unavailability of, um, of like containers and stuff, you know, have been have been caught a little bit unawares. Um, and when they've gone to do their, you know, usual shipments that they do once a year, twice a year, whatever it is, have been told, no, they can't do it. They won't get there in time. You know, that's pushed them into air freight. That's pushed them into charters so yeah that there's definitely been a spike i mean the, i think it's taken us a little underwears of like what how busy this would be this 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 final quarter of the year so um you know we, we were predicting it to be pretty busy i mean we we're forecasting a very busy period but it's but it's way way above ex- expectations as far as i'm concerned um like i said i didn't i didn't believe we would be ahead um in this final quarter of what we were last year but we are at the moment you know way, way ahead of where we were at the, uh, this time last year so it's um yeah there's definitely been a spike like and you know it's I kind of sit there going, God, there can't, there can't be too many more customers out there pushing for charters. But every day the bookings come through, the inquiries come in, so it's uh, there's been a spike. Certainly, I mean, where are we now? November has been unbelievable, and uh, and I don't and no, December forward bookings are all, already huge. And I think that's that's also another thing that's very much changed in our business over the past twenty months. You know, not have a huge amount of forward bookings. You know, cargo charters are, are not something that you generally kind of choose to do. Certainly, the ad hocs. You know, they're the lead times are quite small often. But now, you know, we've seen much longer lead times to our charters. I mean, that may be down to availability, but mostly it's been down to the fact that um, you know our customers recognise what the situation is with the supply chain and have, have, have booked up aircraft early knowing full well that they'll need them it's been incredible so i think that december is going to be just as strong as november if not stronger and then january we'll we'll see what happens i mean you know we normally would expect a big drop-off in january but i'm sure there will be a drop-off but i don't know how big that drop-off will be then uh, do you think freighters the main tech capacity will play a critical role to global air freight industry even after the full belly capacity comes into play with the return of the full wide body long-haul passenger services i would be um, amazed if it didn't i like i think that um you know one thing that certainly in the middle of last year i can remember you know a lot of talk about um people suddenly realizing that you know the freighters had you know become a less sort of fashionable um, mode of transport over over the last twenty years, uh, and then something like this really brings it into focus that actually you know we need freighters, the world needs freighters, they will be play an important part going forward um you can see you know the the kind of um sort of dr- drive towards conversions and buying freighters and airbus and people announcing new freighter versions coming out and they will it will be important i think the, the belly freight thing is it, you know it's difficult to know where that's going to that's where it's going to where it's going to end up really in my view that probably pre-pandemic you know, there was almost there was over capacity really in the market. You know, the airlines were doing probably routes that they didn't necessarily need to do. I mean, they could have pulled back and made more money, it'd been more economical. And so 
I think that we'll probably see less destinations on passenger routes than we've seen previously. I don't know how how quickly we'll get back up to you know that pre-pandemic level. I think that we'll see some of the older aircraft not going back into the air again, or certainly not going back in the air with passengers on board. The lighter, more eco- economical sort of plastic airplanes, I always call them the, the uh, you know, the, the freight capacity on these is it's not so massive as it is in, let's say, 777-300 or something. So that belly capacity is not going to be as huge as it was pre, pre-pandemic, I don't think. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, I think freighters will become an important part. Yeah. We were already going to the big e-commerce market. You know, the world had changed drastically over the past 20 years anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, put, putting the world into a lockdown and making everyone do everything online for, for you know, a huge amount of time last year just just pushed us quicker into that um, scenario of just online shopping. You know, those people that, that hadn't done it before were forced to do it. So, you know, e-commerce is, I think it was when I was in India, um, Air Cargo India, about, must have been about four years ago. I think I was on a panel with um, Atlas and uh, Cafe, I think it was, and Etihad. And uh, and they were saying back then that, you know, even though the, the buzzword was e-commerce and how much the air freight's influenced by e-commerce, it only made up about 10% of the entire freight, air freight at that time. Um, I don't know what the figures are now, but it's certainly increasing and it's going to get bigger and bigger. So freight, freighters have got to be part of that, that model. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's not going to work. So it's, uh, yeah, in, in short, yes, I think freighters will play a big role in the, in the market going forward. Dan, uh, your thoughts on the variety of passenger to freighter conversion programs underway now and the increasing number of orders for converted freighters of various types besides the, the recent news of new production freighters from uh, both from Boeing and Airbus and there are already orders for the Airbus A350 freighter. We, I think we all know. I mean, I've been in well, ACS for 19 years, but I've been in aviation since 1999. At that time since I've been in it, we've been in many ups and downs. It's, it's very cyclical. Obviously, the pessimistic side of me the the doomsday scenario side of me says you know in a couple of years time we're going to be in a situation where there's huge amounts of overcapacity rates are going to go through the floor and you know it's going to be again a difficult time for air freight for cargo aircraft probably but like like i said a minute ago i think that the whole my positive side of it i think the whole the network of belly freight and the capacity that would be out there will, will have changed the dynamic will have changed so although there'll be much more capacity in the market i think it will i'm hoping that it won't be to a point where we've too much overcapacity in there and everyone's then struggling and fighting and it's a fight to the bottom on the rates and and that's not good for anyone i mean i mean it's good for possibly people moving their cargoes but at the end of the day you know you'll end up seeing airlines go under you know that that's not good for the market we we need to not fall into a boom and bust scenario we want to try and keep it in a sensible flux where it's not (laughs) Not in a boom or bust, but look, it's it's difficult to answer what what's going to happen. Ho- hopefully, we'll be in a scenario where we'll try and stabilise freight, and uh, and it will air freight will be on a on a good trajectory in a few few years to come. Dan, the final question, uh, your reflections on how the pandemic has changed businesses across industries and what are the biggest learning that you have picked up for yourself and the team that you lead at ACS in the last uh, almost two years? We've learned that uh, I think that the the world the world has certainly changed uh, and you know on, online communications has is increased massively i mean we're here doing this now over over zoom i think the one thing for me certainly is 
even though my team is spread around 28 different offices around the world on God knows how many different um, time zones, I speak to them more. <laughs> There's a, a, the communication, oddly, between our offices is is massively more now than it was pre-pandemic and, and that you know we always talk about at ACS you know the the flow of knowledge between people that work here you know finding solutions for for customers um you know the network that we have enables us to do that and I think the pandemic has increased that massively for us and the, I guess we call them inter-office deals when when we're working within 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 ACS and during the pandemic you know that those deals between offices has increased massively you know we work together so much more coherently and you know that's that's the point of what ACS has been trying to build is this this network um, for such a long time. You know, if we didn't work with our other offices, we might as well be just little individual companies or small bedroom brokers or whatever it is. You know, it's that that gives us our strength. I think the our ability to be more mobile in terms of what we do as a as a workforce. You know, <laughs> I don't know whether it's good or bad, but it feels like I work twenty four seven now. Um, you know, I was working twenty four seven anyway, but it was always off a of mobile or it was. Uh, you know, while walking around, but you know, I'm I'm here now, sitting in my in my house, in my office. I, I wake up in the morning and I fire up my computer before I've even walked my dog. It means that we're um, yeah, much more mobile, much more able to move with the times. Agile, I guess, as a company, that that makes it different. Um, you know, I think that sometimes when you grow to a certain size and you're all in the sort of fixed offices and you know working with your customers you can get you can get a little cumbersome but i think that during this we've become much more light on our feet and agile as a company um and being able to you know work quicker and it's also you know i don't know how much you know i'm sure there's been stuff in the in the press about um acs investing in technology you know that again you know things like this drives things forward much quicker and obviously we've we've we had, we've had a pretty good time so it means that uh, you can we can continue to invest in the technology and it's and it's not something that perhaps is out there in the public domain all the time but what we do behind the scenes in terms of our own internal systems um, you know we're always looking to try to improve efficiencies within our broker force and, and those efficiencies really are to enable our customers to get faster solutions better solutions you know more sort of uh, solutions that will be tailored towards the customer and keeping the cost down for them as well, which is obviously tough at the moment in terms of trying to keep the cost down. But that that's what we're, we're trying to do. So that's certainly something that we've learned over the last 20 months. And then, you know, it's opened our eyes to other customers, other business, you know, stuff that uh, perhaps we weren't doing previously um, and, and now we've started to do. So I think going forward, that's only going to be good for, for ACS. Dan, it was such a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. That was Dan Morgan Evans, the Global Director of Cargo at Air Charter Service. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring cargo masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.